Amen. Good morning, folks. Uh, before I preach, I want us to pray for the residents of Louisiana and the entire state of New Orleans. Amen. A hurricane known as Ida is coming their way. And it's been um, upgraded to Category 4, which is very dangerous. You know, when a hurricane is from Category 3 going, it's loss of persons and damages of property. So it's severe. And let's pray for New Orleans, particularly the city. Uh, because the entire state of, uh, what do you call, sorry, um, New Orleans is a state, I'm sorry. The entire state of New Orleans have not even recovered from Katrina. You know, very soon they are about to celebrate their 16th anniversary, and this is the last thing they need, right? And in the midst of a pandemic, can you imagine if a, um, a hurricane strikes? So I really want us to pray for them. Last week, a hurricane came our way in the northeastern part of our country, which most of us were in that section. And thanks be to God, we were not affected. By the time the hurricane got to us, it had trickled down. And I really believe it is because of the prayers of the saints. All across we are praying, and, and God heard us. So we believe that if that same God can let this pass as a wave, without harm. The same can happen for our brothers down in the south. So I know you believe in prayer. That's why I, I lifted up this prayer topic. So can we just pray for a minute or two for the people? It's supposed to hit this Sunday afternoon. We pray that by the time the hurricane gets to the state of New Orleans, may it be downgraded so that they will have minimal or no damage. And let's also pray for um, Mississippi and Alabama because they are also high-impact areas. So let's open our mouth and begin to intercede for these people in the name of Jesus. Father, we pray Psalm 91 over the states of New Orleans, Mississippi, and Alabama. We pray that you have mercy, O Lord. Father, we pray that you protect them from harm and evil sway. When we switch on the TVs this afternoon, we don't want to hear bad news. Oh, Father, Lord, let mercy prevail. Let mercy prevail in the name of Jesus. We pray that let each and every property, let each and every person be under the shadow of the Almighty. And Father, as this wave comes through, oh Lord, Father, let it just pass away. Let it just pass away in Jesus' name. Oh, Lord, we believe in prayer, oh Lord. We believe that you are God that answers prayer. And we thank you that this part of the, the, the section of our country, which is the Northeast, we have a testimony that you are faithful and a prayer answering God, and you are able to do it. We believe, O Lord, Nandoramosi <laughs> 
Andoni mando zabanto labreko shabat haliboki yande labreko talibosika yande remozika antonomozi bento labozika raboko la de rebeko yande rebeshaba darabosia talababa have mercy on Lord this morning talibosika taliboze noramozika raboko taliboziika rebozika tolabozo raboziika rabakando in the name of those in kantorabakando raboshi bento labobanda raboziika rababando ramoshi bender yande rebeko labobo Father, we pray, Lord, have mercy, O Lord, Nando, Mikando, Ramosi, Kadababan, Tolabasi, Kadaban, Kandaramaba. We pray for divine protection, O Lord, over people's properties, Lord, in all these three states and in every state that will be affected, O Lord. Father, we thank you. We give you praise for what you've done. We thank you for our brothers and sisters down in the south. We thank you that they will not be harmed, O Lord. O Father, we pray that whoever is even terrified and afraid, and whoever thinks of 2004, may they not have that grim and harsh memory of that, O oh Lord. Lord, I pray that let your glory be seen. May the people in the state of Louisiana know that of a truth you are a prayer answering God. May the people of Alabama and Mississippi know that of a truth you are a prayer answering God. May the people of Arkansas know that of a truth you are a prayer answering God. We pray for all the coastal states around the Gulf of Mexico, O oh Lord. Father, we ask for your protection, your banner of protection, O oh Lord. Jehovah Shammah, Jehovah Shalom. We ask for your help. Oh, thank you that when the saints gather to pray, you hear and you answer us. And this is our hope and this is our confidence. We thank you, O oh Lord. In Jesus' name, it is done. Amen. All right. Thank you. We give you praise, O Lord. So today we are going to continue our series on the book of John, part 50. And we are ministering under the sub-theme, I am part 4. Amen. Let me put that slide up. Go with me to the book of John, chapter 10. John 10, and we are going to look at the first nine verses. Um, so far, we have looked at um, three of the emphatic I am sayings, um, which are bold sayings of Christ, which has something to do with his divinity. And when I'm talking about divinity, divinity means that it's talking about God as um, Jesus as he is God. He's in the same class and in the same breath as God. The first I am was in John chapter 6, and uh, we saw Jesus said, I am the bread of life, which was the first one. And he did that after he had done um, the feeding of the 5,000 with five loaves and two fish. He did that to um, exclamate a point there that I don't just give food. I satisfy longings. I satisfy cravings. I satisfy desires. Man, we have desires for many things. Desire for money, desire for fame. And sometimes getting all those things, we are still not satisfied. Well, Jesus says that if you come to me, I will satisfy all that longing. And that's why he's known as the bread of life. The second one and the third one are in John chapter 8. And Jesus said, I am the light of the world. You see, he doesn't say, some people said, 
he boldly and emphatically said, I am. And when Jesus said, I am the light of the world, he says, if you follow me, you will not walk into darkness. And we realize that when we come into Christ, who is the light of the world, we are delivered from spiritual blindness. And last, last week, we looked at a case of the religious leaders who were spiritually blind because they hadn't contacted Jesus, who is the light of the world. The third I am that we have looked at was at the far end of chapter 8, the close of chapter 8, where Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. And what Jesus meant by that statement is, I am God. There is nobody beside me. I'm God. I, I am not just the son of God, I am God. I am the one that spoke to Moses behind the burning bush. I am the one that led the Israelites, your forefathers, out of Egypt through the wilderness for 40 days, 40 years, I'm sorry. I was a pillar of cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night. It's me. I am God. I am the one that gave the commandments. I am the one that instituted the law. So when Jesus says that before Abraham was, I am, he's saying, I am God. The one that created the heavens and the earth. You are the one seeing me in the flesh. That's why John 1, 14 says that, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. In the beginning was the word, and the word was of God, and the word was God. So Jesus is God. So Jesus, that's why Philippians chapter 2 says that he was in the same class, same breath as God. He was God. Thought it's not robbery to be equal with God. But because of the mission he had on this earth, he took on the form of a man, came down, humbled himself. He was found in like fashion as a man, and he was obedient until the point of death. All this was for us so that our sins will be forgiven. Amen. So, so far, we've looked at three of them, and in the first nine verses of our chapter today, we are going to look at the fourth one. So I read John chapter 10, verse 1 to 9. Most assuredly, I say, to you, he who does not enter by the sheepfold through the door is a thief and a robber. But he who climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hears his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name. And leads them out. Verse 4. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. Then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All whoever came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not hear them. Verse 9. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And will go in and out and find pasture. So, Jesus had just finished having a discussion with these people in chapter 9. And he told them that you guys are blind. But because you say and in, in, your, in your delusion and in your deception that we see, your sin remains. Jesus now goes ahead to now give them a direct parable to who these people are. And uh, when you read this carefully, 
Jesus was referring to the Pharisees who were also known as shepherds, you know. Uh, in the Old Testament, political and spiritual leaders were both called shepherds, you know. So that was a, a common term for leaders. And Jesus was saying that anybody who doesn't come by the sheepfold. So now Jesus is just speaking a parable. And what's a parable? A parable is an everyday story, either fiction or non-fiction, to bring home a spiritual truth. So Jesus is going to bring home a spiritual truth here by talking about something that happens in the agrarian culture. Because agrarian means, you know, it, it was a, a time of farming and all that stuff, you know. So he's using things that they can relate to, sheep and stuff they can relate to. And Jesus says that when you come by the sheep food, another word for sheep food today is maybe a pen, a sheep pen. If you don't come by the door, and you come by any other means. You're a thief and a robber. This reminds me of about two or three years ago, a black man was entering to his house, but he didn't have the key to his house, and he rather opened the window. And when he opened the window, I think a neighbor saw it and called the police. And when the police came, they wanted to arrest the guy, and he got angry because he said, you are profiling me, I'm a black man. Number one, I am a professor, and I'm a professor at Harvard University. I think this world became a very huge news, you know. And he was actually arrested. They still arrested him, and he was, he was very angry that I forgot my key. That's why I had to go through my window into my house. So you see, even in, in, in this world that we live in, when someone doesn't use the proper channel, which is a door, through which you can gain access to a building or a house, you are seen as a thief or even seen as illegal. And Jesus, using the door as a figurative expression, will explain to us in the next few chapters what a door meant. And a door, as we know, is a channel through which you can enter or exit. And Jesus used this to explain that if you want to do ministry, because now he was talking to the Pharisees and the religious leaders. If you want to do ministry, if you ever want to be of service to humanity at large, don't just skip the process. Come through the door. Else you are just like the shepherd who has just passed another way other than the door. To gain access to the sheep. So this is what Jesus was telling them. So in the natural what Jesus was telling them is that you don't know me. You can't do effective ministry work if you don't know Christ. And when I'm talking about ministry, it's all encompassing. It includes cleaning chairs in the church. It includes arranging flowers. You can't do any of those things if you haven't gone through the door. In the kingdom of God, relationship with Christ, knowing who Christ is, precedes activity. It precedes, it precedes work. It even precedes becoming a fruitful member of a church. And all those things are important. It precedes singing in the choir. You can't do any of those things until you have entered through the door. And this was what Jesus was trying to caution them. Now, when we read verse 3, I see a very important principle here because Jesus was saying that the shepherd will go to the sheep door 
and he will come through the door and the doorkeeper will let him in. What does that tell me? It tells me that the shepherd doesn't own the sheep. So this really explains something to me about people who are in ministry. When you've counted yourself privileged to do ministry, any kind of ministry, I'm not just talking about five-fold ministry, choir, counting money, ushering, valet attendance, children's minister, whatever. See people as God's property. You are not a personal property. A shepherd doesn't own people. A shepherd is a hired hand. So who does the sheep belong to? It belongs to the man who has the sheep pen. So shepherds don't own a sheep. Shepherds just work for the master. And the Pharisees never saw it that way. That's why they were very cold-hearted and very mean to the people. And I think in our service to God and serving humanity, if we are able to have it in the forefront of our mind that the people that God has given us the privilege to lead and entrusted them in our care, if we are able to see them as God's people and not our personal properties, we will do the work as according to God and pleasing in his sight. And based on that, Jesus talked about three hallmarks of what it takes to become a good shepherd. One, they know and hear his voice. They know and hear his voice. You, you see, you can only have influence in the life of people you lead when you have gone through the door. Because the Bible lets us know that a stranger, they will never hear his voice. You can never be at the cutting edge of leadership and influence if you don't pay the price to go through the door of the sheepfold. You can't be an effective shepherd. You can't be an effective church worker. You can't be an effective Christian witnessing. You can't be an effective whatever, fill in the blank, if you don't go through the door of the sheepfold, who is Jesus. And that will require, we will have to have a personal relationship with him. And when that happens, your influence rises to the point that people will hear what you have to say and what you have to offer. The second thing that you will see here is that there is relationship. He knows the sheep. Leadership is personal. Being of service is personal. Emotional intelligence. You can't be snobby and be a leader. You can't be a snobby person and be of service. If you want to serve humanity, you will have to come down to the level of the people and relate with them. That's one of the best ways you'll be able to minister. And the third thing you see there is that he leads, not drives them. Sheep are very delicate. You can't drive sheep. When you drive sheep, you will scatter them. And you also cannot go, you, you can't be behind sheep. Because sheep, they easily wander. But you have to lead. 
and when you lead, you will chart a path and a course by which they will follow. Because one thing about sheep is that they are very dependable by nature. They are not independent. So once you lead, they will follow. It talks about the gentle, loving, and responsible care of a shepherd to lead people. And anybody who has really had an experience or a touch of Jesus in their life, they will lead as Jesus and they will lead people with love. It doesn't matter. Maybe you might lead a church, a company, your friends, whoever that you may be around. You will lead with love. Love has to be the influence. And that's why even when Jesus said that he's the light of the world, he also wants we believers to be the light also of the world, that our light will shine and that people will know our Father by our example. And when people know us by our example of Christian conduct as a result of our fellowship to God, it's easy to lead people. So all this is talking about influence and relationships. You serve, and when you serve, that's how you lead. But you can't, you can't become a servant leader if you don't know how to get down to the needs of the people. So leadership requires that we become humble. He knows the sheep. You know, the shepherd is big. For the shepherd to know the sheep, he has to come down to their level and know the sheep. And the sheep have to fill him. For you to become of service, it requires humility. We all have to humble ourselves. But the Pharisees were not like that. They were very proud. People could not relate to them. They had no influence. They just had a form of religion. They just followed the order of tradition. But they made little or even no impact. And the most important thing of Christian service is your leadership should be in such a way that people should come to the Lord. If people can't come to the Lord, it's no leadership in the eyes of God. What counted more was when Jesus came, he was able to turn the hearts of the people, not just by excellent leadership, but led them to the Lord. And as we are approaching September, if we will want to lead people to the Lord, it's important that we go through the door of the sheepfold, who is Jesus. And when we do that, we will have an impartation by which we will have influence and we will be able to lead people to the Lord. So it's not just by praying 30 for 30, which is a very good exercise and we are going to do it. We are going to pray from September 1st to September 30th. 30 days every day for a soul that's a friend, a family, or a loved one to give their life to Christ. But that cannot happen if you also haven't entered through the door of the sheepfold, who is Jesus. And when that happens, then you will have influence to be able to lead people to God. And every believer listening to me at the sound of my voice, a time comes where you should want to become fruitful and become useful and become productive in this house, not just becoming a member, but letting God show his good works through you. But for that to happen, 
relationship has to precede works or activity. Amen. Now, the Pharisees were strangers in that sense. That is why they struggled in leading Israel to God. And they themselves had no idea or knowledge of who God was. That's why Jesus, in Matthew chapter 15, verse 14, he called the Pharisees the blind leading the blind. And it's very unfortunate that today we have many people who don't have a personal relationship with God but are involved in many noble acts of service. And being involved in many noble acts of service without entering into the door of the sheepfold is not good enough. Amen. So, like I've written on the slide here, you gain access into the sheepfold as a shepherd through the door, Jesus. You will not be an effective worker in the church or do ministry well, any form of ministry, serving without knowing who Jesus is. It demands a personal relationship with him as our Lord and personal Savior. And that's why Jesus referred to the Pharisees as thieves and robbers. Amen. So, it also lets me know that there are people in service who are not genuine. There are false prophets among us who are masquerading as genuine. Why? Because they may haven't received Christ as their Lord and personal Savior. But some way, somehow, they are involved in the business, the activity, and the bubbleness of ministry. And like I keep on saying, in God's kingdom, relationship precedes activity and business and productivity. In as much that you want to be productive, in as much as you want to be successful, in as much as you want to be fruitful, Christ esteems a relationship more than all these things. And once we have a relationship with God, then now it is okay to do the rest of the things. But what is needful is having a relationship with God. And it's very unfortunate that these thieves and robbers who were the Pharisees, they didn't have a relationship with God. They were spiritually blind as we learned in John chapter 9. Can you believe that with all their fasting and long prayers, wearing their ceremonial robes, teaching the Torah in the synagogues every Sabbath, 52 Sabbaths of the year, every Sabbath they are there, observing all the rituals, the ceremonies, the feast, even tithing. When you read Matthew chapter 23, they tithed to the minutest details. They even tithed of flowery spices. That was how deep they were in tithing. Yet, Jesus referred to them as thieves and robbers. He called them false. Why? Because they hadn't entered through the door of the sheepfold by which they would gain access and leadership. So it's only through Jesus that we will be saved. And when you read verse 9 of that scripture, the Bible lets us know that we will be saved and we will have pasture. And what that tells me is that when we receive Christ as our Lord and personal Savior, we don't just experience salvation. We also experience pasture. And pasture there is the meal of sheep. So when you come to Jesus, you also learn how to effectively serve other people. And that's why it's important for us to come through the door 
of the sheep. Because when we come through the door of the sheep, and later we assume leadership roles and leadership responsibilities, it is easier for us to become better shepherds because we have experience shepherding ourselves. Amen. So I want to end on this note. If you want to be a blessing to humanity, make sure you have received Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior. Relationship precedes works or activity in this kingdom. And you can't give what you have. Sometimes you will see some people who don't understand Christian service, Christian ministry, none of that, and they will be very mean. I don't blame them. Because if truly they have entered through the door, they would have experienced the care, the love, the shepherding style of Jesus, and they will translate that care to other people. You can't give what you don't have. You can't let people experience what you haven't experienced. Therefore, it is imperative that if we will want to be anything, if we want to be of benefit to our society, to the world at large, let us make sure that we have entered through the door of the sheep who is Jesus. And when we enter through the door of the sheep, two things that we will find. Salvation. Your soul is important. Your soul. And then you will find pasture. You will become the recipient of good leadership, good caretaking. And then out of that experience, you will be able to translate that to your audience and to humanity at large. So, I want to end on an altar call this morning. If you are not saved and you haven't received Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, John 3, 3, the Bible says, Marvel not, except one becomes born again, he will never enter into the kingdom of God. That's first base. After that, God expects us to become the salt of the earth, the light of the world. But you can't go about wearing those titles if your relationship with God is not solid. And it will become solid through Jesus Christ. These Pharisees did not care about that. They rather care about being pompous and a show-off and everything. But Jesus called them thieves and robbers. And look at how some of you are working hard and laboring in the kingdom. Far from thee, may God not label you a thief and a robber. But even though as much as you are laboring for him, may he see you as a son. When you read Matthew chapter 7 verse 21 going, the people said, Lord, we casted our demons in your name, prophesied. We did many wonders. Jesus would say, go, you never knew me. Do you know why? Because they didn't enter through the door of the sheepfold. And Jesus will call them thieves and robbers. And thieves and robbers will never have a part with Christ in the kingdom that is to come. So today I want us to end on that. If you haven't received Christ as your Lord and personal Savior. And what does it mean? We learned it at Bible study just last week. Believe with your heart. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. The Bible says when you do that, with the heart, 
you believe unto righteousness with the mouth confession is made unto salvation Howbeit, if we are all saved then let us pray that we will continue to stay connected to God may we be graced may we have that staying power of the truth by the end of this year be determined that I will know Christ I'm not just going to go through the motions of religion the motions of church and I will not be the same be determined that Christ is going to touch my life I'm going to know him in a unique way and when I know him of a truth I will experience a transformation and it's only people who have experienced a transformation that can bring transformation to other people's lives so as we are praying for the next 30 days in September we will all be able to make a huge difference in people's lives when truly we are connected to the source of power who is Jesus enter through the door of the sheep if you don't you are a thief and a robber join me in prayer this morning the door of the sheep. You are the door of the sheep, Lord. May you come through the proper channels, O Lord. May we stay connected to you, O Lord, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done. Receive your word. May your word convict us to be close to you. Oh, may we not be like the people you cast away because they didn't know you. But we know you, O Lord. Thank you. Your word says that we should examine ourselves whether we are in the faith. And this morning we examine. May our relationship pick up again with you again. Whoever's relationship with you has lost steam, Father, as I preach this message, let it get back to steam. Let it pick up steam again. May they serve you like never before. May they hear your voice. If someone is here who is in a dry place, oh Lord, Father, I pray that may they come out of that season of spiritual wilderness, that they will feel your presence once again. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, keep aflame the passion to stay connected to you. May we continue to eat of your pasture. It is only that when we have fed of your pasture that we will be able to show people how to also feed on pasture. Father, help us to be recipients of your shepherding, of your care, so that we can be good shepherds. Thank you, Lord. And as we do that, may our influence rise higher and higher, just like your son who walked on this earth, who had inestimable influence. We pray, O oh Lord. Thank you, Lord. May we not just do away with religion and the form of it, but may we serve you sincerely in spirit and in truth. Thank you, O Lord. 
We want to be for real Christians. We want to know you, O oh Lord. When all is said and done by 2021, thank you for blessing us. Thank you for giving us the promotion. Thank you for giving us the job. Thank you for giving us the money. Thank you for quadrupling and tripling our investments. But when all is said and done in 2021, I just want to know you. That's the greatest blessing. The greatest blessing is to know you. It's not just to have a good marriage and, and uh, thank God for all that. But all this pales in comparison to knowing you. When all is said and done, may we know you. Because what, what shall it profit a man when he gains the whole world and loses soul? What will it profit all of us if we give to the poor but we don't know you? What will it profit all of us if we do miracles and we don't know you? What will it profit all of us if we grow a mega church but we don't know you? What will it profit all of us if we preach to the whole of Newark, preach to the whole of New York, do all good works that we can do, be charitable, be loving, yet we don't know you? Oh, Father, we pray that may that connection stay strong. May we be connected with you through prayer. May we be connected with you through reading and studying the Bible. May we be connected with you through fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit. Father, we want our relationship with you to go to the next level. That indeed we can walk after the manner of you. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.